very quickly. I make you a promise. Um, by by 7 p.m., I'm not going to let you go. But um, Pastor Chris and Pastor Gloria, thank you. Thank you so much for making me part of this. You know, I, I, don't, I don't take this for granted at all. The truth of the matter is that I could have been anywhere that I choose to be. I remember Pastor Gloria kept asking me, so why did you come? I think Pastor Chris too. I said, because I wanted to be here. I mean, behind the scenes, there was a lot of negotiations, so I don't have time. It's not good for me. I've got to be here because truthfully, I've got to be everywhere. But thank you for giving me this privilege to be here. Thank you. Um, there comes a time in your life that you realize that everywhere that you position yourself must be strategic. And a uh, few years ago, I prayed a prayer to the Lord. Um, I happen to be an intercessor too. Because I feel that beyond praise and worship, the next most powerful prayer is intercession. Where you place yourself in the gap for somebody else. And that is pretty much what I've done for years. I don't even remember the last time I specifically went to the Lord for an extended time praying for myself or asking for things for myself. Because I know the power of a seed. That once you sow in people's lives, people will sow in your life. I remember sitting at the table of a pastor and his wife many years ago somewhere in Massachusetts in America with my daughter, my oldest daughter and the pastor's wife looked at my daughter and said, Nana, you will never struggle in this life. And my daughter looked at her and said, why do you say that? And she pointed to me and said, because of the seeds that this man has sown. And that was a huge thing for me. And I am very strategic. I prayed that prayer and I said, Lord, you have blessed me. I cannot stand anywhere and pretend you haven't done that. And I don't apologize for my blessing at all. Because I also feel that blessings are relative. Because what is my blessing may be your curse. A blind man's blessing is sight. A poor man's blessing is resources. A lonely person's blessing is connection. So it's relative. And, but I said to the Lord that give me young and upcoming people that I can partner with, come alongside them and give them the overflow of my experiences to shorten their learning curve so they can do better than I have done. I said to the Lord, you showed me some staircase to climb to where I am, but help me to give other people a lift to come there rather than steps to climb. That what took some of us 10 years, 20 years, 15 years to do, give them five years to accomplish. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm really grateful to God for that. Uh, to be part of this and seeing this. And I don't know about Pastor Chris and Pastor Gloria, but this is a connection that I don't take for granted at all. Um, if you happen to travel like I do, you know, I came from Jamaica, then I came here, from here, I'm going to Curaçao, from Curaçao to, I think I was telling him my schedule for the next whatever year. I said, oh, how do you do this? And I said, I don't really know. But I, I go to places and when I'm done, we say in Jesus' name and we share the grace, I've forgotten about the place I'm gone. But I don't think I'm going to forget about Leeds. I'm not. And, and you know, my father didn't give me the first name Frank for nothing. I can be brutally frank. So 
Uh, and there's a way, if anything I want to say, I can say it nice. I can even tell you to go to hell in such a way that you look forward to the experience. <laughs> but, Pastor Chris and Pastor Gloria, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me be part of your. I don't know, you could have gotten a lot of better people, but thank you for having me here. Yes. Amen. And uh, I want to read a very, very familiar scripture of five verses, then speak to you for a few minutes. And uh, of course, Pastor Moses and uh, Pastor Nana, thank you so much. Amazing, amazing people. Amazing, amazing. You know, you can't hang around this couple and not feel that they are special. There's, there's, it's, they've always been like that. For me, what you see with them is what you get, authenticity. You know, this man would call, we would talk, and it's like, why does he even have to call me? You know, it's very amazing. Pastor Mo and Pastor Nana, God bless you so much. Amen. Yes. Uh, well, Pastor Gloria says, I should say thank you to you for them. But you have been amazing. But listen, in this life, everybody needs somebody. What God has not given to you, he's given to somebody. So you must learn to look, re- connect with people. That is me. Connections, the best. Strategic connections. Am I talking? Am I talking? When, when Pastor Chris talked about the fact that they've been friends since when they were little, I was telling Pastor Shola and Sheri and others last night that today relationships have become very rare. The turnover is too much. Don't think that the 5,000 people that Mark Zuckerberg gave you <laughs> on Facebook are your friends. <laughs> You, 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 you wake up, well, I've already started preaching. You wake up deep in the night to go and check how many people have liked your photo. Uh, okay. You know, Pastor Chris promised he won't cry, but I promise I won't misbehave. So, Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5. Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5. Very familiar scripture. Psalm number 103, verse 1 to 5. If you're above 25 years, you turn into your Bible. If you're below 25, turn on your tablet. To Psalm 103. <laughs> yeah. And this Psalm is the last time I checked, still in the Bible, Psalm 103, verse 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, speak to us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Based on everything that we have seen this week from camp to our conference and especially the dedication of this building and then the bending of the mortgage, I feel very impressed in my heart to just take my time and encourage you and exhort you on gratitude. Thanksgiving. Because every group of people, like tribe, nation, calling, whatever, are often characterized by some things. Football teams are characterized by supporters and their colors. You see Leeds United and you know their colors. You are not going to find Leeds United wearing all red. They will wear their, is it white or blue, or white with their blue stripes or something. You find Liverpool in their all red strips. You find this with Chelsea with their blue. It is there. And 
For every follower of that carpenter from Galilee, that Jewish rabbi, Jesus, there are three great marks that must characterize you. Giving, forgiving, and thanksgiving. Giving, forgiving, and thanksgiving. So if you find it very, very difficult to be a forgiver, you need to question your salvation. Because he forgave us so we can forgive. So forgiveness must not be an issue because forgiveness is not for the sake of the one you are forgiving. It's for your own sake. Because forgiveness is the only hammer that breaks the handcuffs of bitterness and resentment. And you notice that these three things that I've talked to you about, giving, forgiveness, and thanksgiving, none of them takes. All of them give out. Why? Because giving, forgiving, and thanksgiving is the nature of God. Is the DNA of divinity. Ladies and gentlemen, this thing called thanksgiving, gratitude, is an aspect of our Christian journey that carry very powerful implications. But sadly, many of us take it for granted. And so what is thanksgiving? What is gratitude? I wrote down here that it is a living, conscious, number one, mindset. You've got to make up your mind that I'm going to be a person of gratitude. I'll be a thankful person. In fact, not just thanksgiving, but thanks living. It is a mindset. It's, then it becomes an attitude, then an action that remembers what God has done. When you are grateful, when you are full of thanksgiving, you are showing that you value the goodness of God in your life. Hear me, people of God. Gratitude is more than a feeling or an emotion. You don't thank God when you feel like it and you don't, you don't thank him when you don't feel like it. Thanksgiving, gratitude is not predicated only by your circumstance of life. It is a choice. It is a force of your will. To let God and others know that whether they see it or not, whether I feel it or not, whether I have it or not, I still appreciate God for who I am. And in this passage, these short verses that we have read, the service, the one who by the Holy Spirit penned this, is David the anointed one. And David is calling all people everywhere, but especially CICC, Calvary Cathedral, to be thankful to God. Normally when you read these Psalms, you must detach yourself and begin to ask yourself questions. What may have predicated the person writing this? Because you realize when you study, sometimes David will write when God has delivered him from the hands of the enemy. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be delivered from the hands of the, my enemies. The Lord reign and blessed be the Lord. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Saul was chasing him and he was writing about protection. And so I looked at this and I questioned and I realized that David took a critical look at his life. From an obscure and unlikely background. You know, sometimes people ask me, how, what moves you to go like that? Is it an anointing? I said, no, forget about the anointing. I don't even know what an anointing is. Because for us, our definition of the anointing sometimes is way out. 
Sometimes we think a preacher is anointed when his speech is fast. Yes. You know, like, thank you, Pastor Gloria, like he's chewing pepper, you know, that, that, that thing. But, I tell people the reason why some of us do what we do is that because we remember what he has saved us from. And I'll come there. But look at David. A man rejected. I, I, I believe, and scholars believe that he was born out of wedlock. Because he said that when my father and my mother reject me, the Lord will pick me up. And then, when the prophetic conference was held in his father Jesse's house, he was not invited. What man would be stupid enough not to increase the odds for his son, one of his sons becoming king? And yet they forgot about him. He was at the backside of the desert looking after a few sheep. He was sidelined. But somehow, the Lord picked David from the backside and brought him to the front to make him a king. David now looks at his present. And he realized that he shouldn't even have been here. Because even though God gave him wonderful privileges, somehow he messed up along the way. He saw somebody's wife, his closest bodyguard's wife. He committed lucre and bringery and ended in adultery. Then the betrayer and the cover-up. And as David begins to think about his past and he begins to think about his present, I believe that something happens to David. He gets, he gets, he gets an epiphany as it were. He is gripped and is possessed by an attitude of gratitude. And so he emphatically commands his soul, that is the core of his being, his inner workings, his psyche, his everything. And he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and everything within me. I do not give permission for anything around me to refuse to give God gratitude. All that is within me. Then David goes on to touch one of the basic leprosies of our human nature. Says, do not forget Ladies and gentlemen, let me submit to you today that one of the greatest leprosies that we have is the leprosy of forgetfulness. David is saying to you, Calvary Cathedral, don't forget what he has done for you. I was in the Jewish Holocaust Museum one day with a friend in Washington, D.C. And we saw how human beings have visited inhumanity on humanity. All because we don't look like each other. Hear me, the only creation of God that can kill for fun are humans. That is why one of the prayers we have to pray in life is that Lord help me not to fall into the hands of a man. Like David said. And once you are exiting the Holocaust Museum, six million Jews died because somebody decided we don't, we don't like how you look. And it's written there boldly that we will never forget. And in our conversation with an old Jewish rabbi in his 80s, he looked at my friend, a pastor here in, in, in America, here, one of your cities. And he said, you are two black guys, you are two black boys. And I want to tell you something about black people. He said, you have two big issues. That is why all the slavery and things haven't changed you. And when older people who have walked in the wisdom and dignity of years speak, I listen. And I said, what are the two issues? He says, number one, you don't remember anything. And number two, you forget everything. Oh. 
and he turned on his heels and he walked away. I was transfixed. We, re- we don't remember anything. And we forget everything. And I realized that one of the endemic sins of our present age is the sin of ingratitude. A question that I want you and I to grapple with and I hope to God it hangs over your head like a, a, a velvet curtain for the rest of your life is why can we be so unthankful sometimes? Why do we fail to be so grateful for all that God has done for us? And I can isolate a couple of reasons. Number one is the spirit of this age. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, when you read the first two verses, the apostle Paul is writing about the end times. And he lists 21 things that will characterize the end times. He says, know this that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And he goes ahead to say that for men shall be lovers of themselves, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. Then he says, we shall be unthankful. So it's the spirit of this age. People are just unthankful. Sometimes to say thank you is almost like a university curriculum. One of the things that make marriages suffer sometimes is that couples can't say thank you. A sense of entitlement. So we can't say thank you. The second thing is pride. Please listen to me. Pride is like bad breath. When you have it, nobody tells you. And yet nobody gets close to you. Pride. It is pride that blinds us to the goodness of God. It is pride that makes us deceive ourselves. Listen, A.W. Tosa said that of all forms of deception, the worst is self-deception. Because of all people who are deceived, the last one to to realize that you are deceived is yourself. Because when somebody is deceiving you, it's easy to get out when somebody takes you away. But what if you are deceiving yourself? Because everywhere you go, you you carry your whole body there. That is why I want you to be the best version of yourself. Oh, you didn't hear me. I want you to be the best version of yourself. Listen, a lizard in Leeds will never become a crocodile in Birmingham. Wherever you go, so please be be a powerful person everywhere. That so much that when they put you in the middle of a desert, your desert will rejoice and blossom. You didn't get me, you understand me after I'm gone. But listen, sometimes, sometimes we deceive ourselves to believe that we are who we are and it's our accomplishment. We, we accomplish it by ourselves and by our own smartness. Just go on Facebook and look at us. The way we do self-praise. And the people that I feel very sorry for are people who say, I'm a self-made woman. Really? You made yourself? Well, I don't have any issue with you. The only thing is that people who are self-made, they tend to worship their maker. And that is you. You worship yourself. Listen to me, my brother. Listen to me, my sister, today. You have, the earlier you recognize the better for you, that no matter your accomplishment, no matter what you have, your acquisitions, there's a bigger hand behind your achievements. Hezekiah was sick. And the Bible says that he lifted up his voice in anguish and agony to God. And the Lord responded to him by giving him a sign and a miracle. But the Bible says that Hezekiah did not respond to God with praise and thanksgiving because he had become proud. It's pride. That stops us from saying, God, thank you. 
It is pride that stops us from saying, somebody helped us. It is pride that makes us forget that had it not been for God, we will not be here. The third thing, I want to run quickly today. Why we, don't, we are not grateful is because of our twisted perspectives. Twisted perspectives. Many people fail to be grateful or thankful because they fail to see and appreciate the big picture. Our perspectives are twisted. I tell people that in this life, where you sit determines what you see. And what you see will determine what you do. That's your perspective. You see, because you and I are finite in our sight, we fail to see some of the things that God does and so we don't give him thanks. Listen, many times our God does a lot of things that our natural mind cannot truly or accurately comprehend. Because he's not your servant. So he's not obligation, obligated to tell you everything. So I am begging you, when you go to prayer, thank you for the things you know. But above all, thank you for the, thing, thank you for the things you don't know. Because you don't know what you have been saved from. And what he delivered you from. When you were sleeping, you don't know. Listen, many times he will not show you the traps that you escaped. He will not show you. Some of you should not have been here. Do you know the obituaries that were written for you in the spirit, but somehow the Lord backed them off? Do you know those who sat in counsel against you and mentioned your name and determined that you will not cross a particular line, but look at you. Sometimes he doesn't tell us why so and so left us. I told you yesterday that some people have left you and you are crying. They, they broke your heart. They made you promises and you are crying today. Wipe your tears because if God showed you who that person will become next 10 years, you thank God that he left you today because he sees what you don't see. He doesn't tell you why he's, he sometimes is delayed in, in inverted commas. Delayed. Because you don't know that sometimes his delays are not his denials. One of the things that touched me, Pastor Chris, is in, in, in John's Gospel, chapter 11, talking about Jesus' friend Lazarus. When he was sick, his, sister, his sisters arranged a proper prayer point. They went to Jesus and said, Lazarus, your friend, whom you love. I mean, they, 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 were, they understood, they, they were producing their case and bringing for their strong reasons. A sick. And I read it, and the Bible says that. Now, I think verse number 5 says that can, can I have that? Can I have that? Yeah, give me verse number 5. Let's see. He said, now look at this. You are English people. I'm trying to read English. He said, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and last. He loved them. But look at the next verse. So, because he loved them, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Which means sometimes he loves you enough to delay. Uh, Oh, you, you are not getting me. You, you are not getting me. You, you are not getting He said Jesus loved them. And so, because he loved them, when he heard that the guy was in trouble, he stayed two more days. So sometimes he loves you to delay. And it's for a reason and for a purpose. Because there's nothing more beautiful than something whose time has come. Because he does all things beautiful in his time. And sometimes God may not even explain to you why your new car didn't start. Could it be that he was shielding you from an accident that was waiting for you? And because of the fact that we have twisted perspectives and we don't see the big picture, we become so complaining. We are so unsatisfied. And sometimes we are plain greedy. 
I've never seen a group of people blessed by God and still never satisfied. We can never say thank you to God. It's like the guy who went to church one day and no matter what was happening in church, this guy wouldn't smile. He wouldn't dance. He wouldn't praise. And the pastor noticed him. And after church, the pastor said, come, come, come. What, what? All day you are looking so moral. What is wrong? The guy will say, nothing. pastor said, I know there's something. Talk to me. What is wrong? He said, well, my uncle died two weeks ago and left me 50,000 pounds. The pastor said, and your face is like that. He said, pastor, I don't understand. Pastor said, Okay, so what is it? He said, well, last week my auntie also died and left me 25,000 pounds. And the pastor said, man, you are moving this thing from the sublime to the ridiculous. I mean, let's get it. Your uncle died two weeks ago and left you 50K. And your auntie has died and left you 25K. So what is your problem? He said, well, this week nobody died. <laughs> you, you know, and, and it, it, it's funny. It, it's, fun, it, it's really funny. But truthfully, we are all like that. We complain about everything. He answers one prayer. We don't even stop to say thank you. And we go to the next. God gives you a husband after all the years of prayer. God, and you even look at the husband and you know this is grace. Me, I've, I've, I think I've conducted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weddings. And everyone has a story. Sometimes I see the bride walking to the aisle. And I look at this beautiful bread and I look at the man. Then I say, if this is not grace, it has to be money. Now, don't look at your husband. Don't, don't look at your husband. Don't spoil this message for him. Don't spoil it. If God gives you a husband, then you are complaining. Pastor, my husband snores. Aren't you glad he snores? Somebody has a husband who doesn't snore because he's dead. Perspectives. You pray for God, he gives you a car. You, can't, you, you are not happy because it's not, it happens not to be a Rolls Royce. But it moves. Gives you a job. Ah, it's just a job, it's not even paying much. My friend, can you keep quiet already? Do you know how many people with more degrees than a thermometer who couldn't get a job you got? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Don't forget his grace. Don't forget his goodness. Don't get his favor. Somebody is saying to me, I know in your mind, I can tell. You are saying, but I don't have anything to be grateful for. My question is, seriously? You don't have anything? Listen, let's take a little, let's take a little inventory. I want to ask you a question. Did you wake yourself up from sleep? Okay, 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 okay. Did you first make yourself go to sleep? Think about it. My wife and I were in the, in the Bahamas the other, some other day. And in the hotel, at the Atlantis Hotel, they gave us a tour and they, they took us to a particular suite. A whole floor. And they told us that Michael Jackson, I mean, Moonwalker Michael Jackson, he came to rent that whole place because the paparazzi were hounding him. He couldn't sleep. He needed sleep. And so for $30,000 a night, he rented that place. But you know something? Michael Jackson still could not sleep. In fact, it was in trying to buy sleep that sleep killed him. But look at you. You can sleep anywhere. Some of you are even trying to sleep in church. You can just close your eyes and sleep. And you can't thank God, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I have a question. I have a question. I have another question. I have a, uh, I have a question. Did you, with all your money, did you buy your health? Oh, oh no, I'm not saying did you buy medicine. I say, did you buy your health? 
look at the way you look. At the height, at the height of one past economic trouble. One man in America had more money than any human being. I'm talking about Steve Jobs of Apple Corporation. The man had billions and billions. In fact, when America was in trouble, it was recorded that the man had more liquid cash than the government of the most powerful economy. Steve Jobs. And yet, when one sickness hit the man, all his billions could not buy him health. Now look at you. You are annoyingly healthy. You are disgustingly beautiful. And you dare to complain? Look at the way you, listen, look at the things that you are put in your body. You eat every, there are some of us, even when we drink, we put on weight. We walk past food, we put on weight. But now look at you, you eat and you are still nice. And you come praise the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I have another question. I, have an, I haven't finished with you. I want to ask you a question. Did you protect yourself? Did you protect yourself? Look at the devastation that this COVID-19 brought to the world today. What makes you think that you were protected because of medication or masks or because you had a good immune system? The last time you went to buy the petrol, do you know who held it before you held it? When you went to the grocery store, do you know who held the, the apple before you held it? Do you know what? God gave you exemptions. Listen, presidents died out of coronavirus. Prime ministers, they almost died right in front of you because of the most powerful human beings. They couldn't make it. But look at you. That is why you must, you must get, wake up and declare gratefully with King David in Psalm 124 that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Calvary Cathedral say that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when the enemy came against us, he would have swallowed us up and they would have, they have gone all over us. But he said, blessed be the name of the Lord who has not given us a spray to their teeth. For my soul has escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are escaped and our help. And, oh my God, I feel something today. Question, question, did you save yourself? Listen, some of you, I don't know if, have you ever taken time to just be grateful to God for the gift of salvation? You know why you don't do that? Because you don't know what you have been saved from. I come from an extended family, ladies and gentlemen. I saw it happen one until we broke that thing. The moment you graduate from university, you have two years to have a car accident and die. One after the other, my, we, they died in my family. Until a, a cousin of mine, he's a bishop in New York, we determined this thing must stop in our family. One after the other. And so I tell people that when I stand and I preach, when I go to places at this age and I'm still pushing myself and I'm working 25 hours a day, it's because I know what he has saved me from. Because if it had not been for him, some of you don't remember the things that you used to do. And you still do. Some of the people you used to run around with. One day, one day, one day, pastors, one day, I went to church and I sat at the back, prayer meeting. And I turned and I saw this lady. So I went and sat beside her and I said, hello daughter. She raised her head, she saw me and she started crying. Because there are people who have been in our church for years. They've not even had an opportunity to even greet me or to say hello. So it was like, wow. 
she started crying. And I said, get up, get up and come with me. And I said, why? Do I look like Incredible Hulk or something? She said, Papa, you won't understand. I told the Lord that if you really love me, let pastor at least say hello to me for once. Because I have tried. I see him very far. I just want, and so when I sat beside her, she said, God is good. Somebody married her. Actually, no, she had a job and she relocated. And this one, I don't keep a lot of letters that are written to me. But I kept her letters. She wrote me pages and told me about her life. He said, Papa, you are looking at a woman who knows the color and the climate and the temperature of abuse. Said I was adopted, like you know, the Ghanaian culture, they will give you to uncles and husbands. And he said, In the house that I was raised in one house, almost every male in that family slept with me. Fathers, cousins, uncles, everybody. If anybody looked into my eyes, it was it with lust. Said I'm a damaged woman until I stumbled into this church. I trusted nothing and I trusted nobody until your words began to turn me around. And she said, The beautiful thing is that. A, a former boyfriend wrote to me, sent me a text and said, I went to test. I did a test for something. And they said, I am HIV positive. So please go check. She said, one day you were given the benediction. And in the middle of the, the benediction, you stopped. And you said, somebody has a test. Go and take it. And honestly, it wasn't even HIV test. It was just a test, which is a test. Could be a driving test. I don't remember. But she said, this thing may be my word because she was scared to go and take it. And she said, when I took the test, I died a thousand deaths waiting for the result. And when it came and he said, you are negative. She said, I had to lie down in my room and roll over and say thank you to God. Do you know what was in your food? You went to the restaurant. Do you know who used the, the, the cutlery before you? And you sit down and you say, what? Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You won't thank God for what he saved you from. And somebody will have the nerve to say, but, but Papa, nothing is working. Really? Nothing is working? What about your kidneys? What about your hearing? What about your sight? Listen, the fact that you can hear me and see me means that there are billions of things that are, that are okay with you. One night, one night, I was called. I was a pastor here in London. I was called to go and pray for a dying man. And I got into this hospital has been turned on Hither Green Hospital near Lewisham. And I parked my car around midnight to go and pray for this person. And it was very quiet when I walked into the ward. And it was a long corridor to where the nurses showed me where that person was. And as I walked in that night, quiet, eerily quiet, I could hear somebody breathing. And every breath that this person drew was a whole agony. And in those few minutes, locked up in my thoughts, I had to repent with tears and say, Lord, I thank you that I've taken something as mundane as breathing for granted. Because you never know the value of what God has given to you until you lose it. Please listen to me. A man was complaining about the fact that he had no shoes until he met a person with no feet. What you survived killed somebody. What you take for granted Somebody fasted for it and prayed for it and didn't get it. Your testimony has been somebody's nightmare. And today, I encourage you, these few minutes, that learn to be grateful. Learn to express unbridled 
Thanksgiving. And by the way, whilst I'm in your neighborhood, let me tell you something. Nobody was born with a spirit of gratitude. Thanksgiving, gratitude is a learned habit. What is it about us, people of God, that we teach our children to say thank you, but we don't do it. When we are raising our children, somebody gives them a gift, say, say thank you. Say thank you. And I'm wondering what the children will think about us. Or are adults exempted? We have a gratitude exclusion clause in the contract of life that Jesus gave to us. Hear this. The healthiest human emotion is not love. It is gratitude. Not too long ago, the University of California in Berkeley, they did a research. It was a three-year research that cost $5.5 million about gratitude. A secular university researched about gratitude, $5.5 million, three years. And in their finding, it was scientifically proven that after 21 days of expressing gratitude, something begins to change in your life. You begin to retrain your brain to start scanning the world for positive things. Some of you are too negative. You are so negative, you can walk into a dark room and develop into a photograph. One time I was in Holland and a pastor's wife hosted me and I have never met a more negative, I mean Olympic Games in negativity, she wins the gold medal hands down. I, I wanted to leave the house very quickly because after talking to him, your height begins to, to go down. You say this, you say that. I came back to London and I wrote to him, to her to say thank you and blah, blah. And I tried to encourage her. And I said, listen, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Then she wrote back to me and said, what if that light is the, an oncoming train? Then I wrote again and I said, Jesus said, consider the birds. The and, the, and said, all the, the, uh, the birds that I see are the ones the cats have eaten and it's only their feathers. And I said, I'll write to her again. No. No, 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 no. Listen. The research in UC Berkeley, University of California Berkeley said that the more you express gratitude, the more you experience abundance. I'm not talking about, yes, I'm not talking about a Christian, I'm talking about one of the most secular universities on earth, University of California in Berkeley, UC Berkeley. I did my grad, my, my grad school in California, so I know California a little bit. I know California inside and out. That, I did my master's at Fuller, Fuller Seminary, so I know it. And UC Berkeley, you don't mess with them. They are as secular as you get. And yet they are saying, they say that gratitude is proven to result in better sleep, less illness, increased happiness, less stress and depression. Increased self-confidence and less negativity. Secular university. It should put you and I to shame. Hear me. Gratitude is a decision that nobody can make for you. You must decide every day to be a grateful person. In your words and in your deeds. As he walked this earth in his daily pilgrimage about to enter one of the cities and then some commotion, some cacophony of noise comes from far away. And my Bible tells me that there were so ten, so ten, ten men who were lepers. And in those days when you had leprosy, it was a sentence of death. It was a slow 
debilitating death. Leprosy will let you itch. The law of God said, even somebody gets leprosy, you must be thrown out of the commonwealth of society. You were dead. You were finished. Because gradually you will itch and you scratch until your digits fall off and your cartilage melt and you become a grotesque image of your former self. You were finished. And from afar, some of us were from afar. We couldn't get close. They saw their chance that that carpenter from Galilee that we have heard about, the, the, the seawalker, the, 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 the one who, who speaks to trees and they die, and the one who will meet a funeral procession and turn it into a party. I'm talking about the one that can walk on water. I'm talking about the one that makes something out of nothing. And we have heard a testimony and we can see him in the adoring multitudes, but we can't get close to him because of our condition. But at least we have a voice that we can use. You see, the reason why sometimes there's so much jealousy in the church is that we have not learned to use what God has given to us. We always want what somebody has. These people had leprosy. They couldn't do things, but at least they had a voice. And the Bible says that with a loud voice, they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. All they had was to appeal to the mercy. And the only time, in fact, the second time in recorded history that a human being made divinity to stop was that. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped and he said, bring them to me. And when they came, the Bible says that Jesus said, you know something? I'm going to do something for you. But you turn around and go and report your to the priest. The very people who put a death sentence on you, go and show yourself to them. And the Bible says that as they went, please hear me. I wish I could preach on faith to you. Hear me. He said that as they went, they didn't get healed before they went. No. It was as they went. They were healed as they were. That is obedience. You don't have to understand in order to obey. Just obey and you, oh God almighty. And the Bible says that as they went, all of a sudden, they saw that they were healed. This one looked at a friend, they were healed. All the digits were back. Their skin was their skin like a newborn baby. Everything was okay. And I'm sure they began to talk among themselves. That, hey, look, we are all okay. And one said, let's go and say thank you to that rabbi. One of them said, no, I don't have time yet. I've got to have a party for my friends before I think about it. Another one says, I don't have a new dress to wear to church. I'll find a new dress before I go and talk. You see, we can say all these things because they look like us. But the Bible says only one one person said, wait, 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 wait. I am not itching anymore. I am not, I will not be embarrassed in society again. My isolation because of my condition is over. So he turns around and he pulls away from the nine who will not say thank you. And he rushed to Jesus. And the Bible says that with a loud voice. That is why I always have problems with people who say, no, you have to be very quiet. Me, you can't keep me quiet. So long as I have a voice, I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't know about you. But this man, God, you have been good. You have saved me. You have delivered me. You have blessed me. I want to use my loud voice everywhere to say thank you, Jesus Christ, for what you have done for me. The Bible says that the man made a decision that I'm not for going to forget about how it felt to itch. He came and fell down. And with a loud voice, he thanked Jesus. The reason why some of you don't live with gratitude is because you have forgotten how it felt to itch. Everybody had an itch. You've forgotten how it felt to be embarrassed in public because of your past. You've forgotten it. You've forgotten it. I used to tell my church, I don't say those things anymore, that sometimes when people come to church, we need to take their photographs. So five years later, when they become too much, we show them. Because the only antidote to pride is remembrance. 
when you remember where he has brought you, you can't be. So you saw you, you. We saw you. We saw you when you came. We saw you. Now you are all that. The man knew. He said, "Now, now, I, I, I know how it felt to be dying slowly till God pulled me out." Some of you have forgotten the state you were in when somebody invited you and you stumbled into Calvary Cathedral and the anointing in this house and upon your leaders, your pastors, they brought a change. You have forgotten how it is. When David said, do not forget all his benefits, maybe you should have added, don't forget how it is. You forgot it like the leper, you forgot it. And Jesus turns to that one man and says, are there not ten that I healed? Where are the other nine? Then the lesson hit me, two lessons. Number one, God takes notice of grateful people. And number two, he also takes notice of ungrateful people. Thus, were they not ten that I healed? Where are the other nine? And he said to that grateful one, go, your faith has made you whole. Not only did he get healing, which could be temporary, he got wholeness that is permanent. So how do you express gratitude, thanksgiving? Number one, you do that verbally. True gratitude is never quiet. Well, I wrote in my notes to be quiet as they stare at me, so that's fine. Thank God I'll be leaving tomorrow morning. You want more? Come and try and see. Sometimes some of you have to come and stand here just to see how your faces look like when we are preaching. If we gave you the microphone, you, your eyebrows will change position. Hear me. True gratitude is never quiet. That one leper fell down at Jesus' feet. And for that Calvary Cathedral, you do very well. You express your gratitude to God verbally. Lift up your voice and thank him. Let the world know that he has been good to me. And I can't keep quiet about it. You know how sometimes people, about one year before their birthday, they say, birthday loading, I can't keep calm. One year before their, they, you see, this, this cartoon generation, you are very interested. Oh, you heard me, cartoon generation. You are very interested. One year, one year before their birthday, they say, my birthday loading, I can't keep calm. Then you have your fake Louis Vuitton and things, and who let us rest? Anybody speaks Hebrew? Anybody speaks Hebrew? There's a Hebrew idiom that characterizes what I've just said. In the Hebrew, it's called Maka Maka. It's Hebrew complete. It means what I have said, I've said. You exercise gratitude by speaking up. Let God know. If your heart is happy, let your face know. Number two, you express your gratitude through serving. Because when you are truly grateful, you will never be content sitting in church and not serve. Don't let anybody by their words, by their actions, by their inattitudes ever get you out of serving. I kid you not. Luke 8, 1 says that there were some women that Jesus had healed. Some he had cast out seven demons out of them. Hebrews, I beg your pardon, um, Luke 8 and 1. You can put it there for me. It says that 
Certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. The Bible says that they followed, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, that is the, the finance minister of Herod, Stewart, and Susanna, and many, they provided for Jesus from there. They served him because of the things he has done. What has he done for you? I serve God because I remember what he's done for me. I remember th those days when I didn't know him. And yet he kept me. When I knew that I was dying and that no medicine could help me, I went to the washroom to pass water and it was clots of blood. For months, every hospital, every doctor, medications, I, was, I, I became so lean, you could see a walking skeleton. They never knew what it was. I was just about 20, 20 years or so. And I remember one afternoon, everybody was gone, and I laid down on my bed and I said, God, if you are the one that people say you are, please heal me. And I make you a promise, I'll save you for the rest of my life. My mouth was signing a check that I knew my heart wouldn't cash. Because when our backs to the wall, we make promises. And I forgot about the prayer. I went into a deep sleep. After some hours, I woke up. I woke up. And I went to use the washroom. And it was crystal clear as water. That night, I went to the disco to say thank you. I drank myself to stupidity. I had forgotten. I'm, listen, I'm not ashamed telling this. Because that is my story. I want some of you to understand that some of us were not born straight from heaven. We know where we are coming from, so we appreciate where we are. For two years, I had forgotten until God caught up with me one night. And I think I shared a, a little bit of my testimony. Because every promise you make, he'll make sure you keep it. So when I'm preaching the way I'm preaching, when I'm serving the way, you can't take myself from me. There's nothing in church that I cannot do. If you ask me, every position in church, I have served him there. The only thing I cannot do is to, in fact, I play only one instrument, and that is the radio. Apart from that, I don't play anything. You can't take my service. I kid you not. I kid one time, on a Sunday, I was walking in a long corridor in our church, and I saw that there was a little, that's me, I have OCD. Everything must be perfect around me. And I saw, and I said, didn't the cleaners and things. So, on a Sunday, me, I grabbed the vacuum cleaner. The whole church was quiet. The, the whole area like, huh? And people came up. I said, no, once I start something, I finish. You could feel the tension in the house. And I was joyful, joyfully whistling to myself. Because, number one, I was putting pressure on people, and I like it. And number two, I was serving. Because who allowed me to hold the vacuum cleaner? But just for me to do that in the house of God, my God, I felt so good. I felt so good. Because sometimes you, God can place you on a pedestal that you forget your roots. Never disconnect yourself from the things that made you who you are. You show gratitude by your service. Number three, you show gratitude by your giving. True gratitude must find a way to give back. That is the nature of divinity. That is the DNA of God. Jesus and his disciples were in a room. And in those days, like today, the terrain was hot. People sweated. 
And you can imagine some 12 men or 13 being in a room where there was, there was no air conditioning and no abundance of deodorant. And they've been working for a long time. And in those days, it was simple courtesy that when somebody comes into your house, the least you could do is to give them water to wash their feet because it was a dusty terrain. And if the person was of a highest, a little bit higher order, you give them anointing oil to oil their hair. Jesus, by whose agency, the one by whose agency, heavens and earth, exist, sat in that house with 12 men and another host and nobody cared. Sometimes familiarity, Pastor Goretto, familiarity. We suffer from familiaritis. We get too used to God that we take things for granted. You have to be conscious to fight familiarity. Too conscious. And listen, yesterday I was supposed to go and watch a football match. I think Alfred has sold it to me. I like football. And I, and I like boxing too. No, no, no. That is not me being in the ring, but watching people beat them. I want to watch people beat themselves up. And man of God, I used to wake up very early in the morning. You know America, when their fight is late, here it's very late, two, three. I used to wake up sometimes winter and crawl downstairs in my duvet to go and watch boxing. And one day I was going downstairs quietly and I heard the Lord saying, you could pay this price to watch Mike Tyson. When was the last time you paid a price like this for me? I sat on the staircase and I cried like a baby. I said, Lord, forgive me. We had made plans to go and watch football yesterday. And after Friday night, I went home and I said to myself, I have work to do. I've come to serve the vision of this man and this woman. I can refuse to prepare. I know I carry an anointing. I, give me a microphone. I'll preach a thunder around you. But I said to myself, I cannot do this disservice to Chris and Gloria and all and to CICC by not preparing adequately. So I said, all day, I'll stay there in, the, in my hotel room. I'll sit somewhere quiet. I'll meditate. I'll download information so that I can present fresh bread to this congregation. I don't want to be familiar. I don't want to be familiar. I don't want to be familiar. But that day, those disciples were familiar. Nobody gave him anything. And a woman who didn't have good report in the, in the neighborhood, she burst into the room and in those days, woman, you don't come where men are. But she went in there. I don't know what had happened, but I'm sure she may have encountered him before. And she remembered. And the Bible says that Maybe she was on the knife edge of nervousness. Should I or should I not? Should I or should I not? But she broke through the uncertainty and put her hands somewhere and brought out an alabaster box of nard, speak nard. It came from the Himalayas. Very expensive. Cost over one year's wages. The Bible says that she opened it. Forgive me. She didn't open it. She broke it. Because anything you open, you still have control to close it. But she broke it and lost control. And she poured it on the head of the master. 
She gave it all. She gave it all. And one disciple who should have known better. Judas, and every time we are doing things like this, you have, I, I preached a message the other day, I don't know if it's still there, silencing the voice of Judas. Judas had a perverse mentality to have the audacity and the temerity whilst divinity is being honored to say what a waste. How dare you? If you won't do it, keep quiet and let others give. Say what a waste. Because you don't understand. What a waste. And Jesus had to say, shut up. For you don't know that so long as this gospel is preached, including 2022 in the city of Leeds, what this woman has done will be spoken of as a memorial. Listen, every day of your life, whatever you give to God is building a memorial for you. When Cornelius prayed, the Lord said that your prayers and your arms, your giving has come up as a memorial to me. Memorial. The woman poured and changed the whole atmosphere. And I'm sure that three days, 72 hours later, when the soldiers took his garments, ready to execute him on a cruel Roman cross, one of them smelled his garment and said, this must not be an ordinary criminal. Somebody must have loved me enough, loved him enough to pour such an expensive perfume on him. Hear me. Moses had commanded his people to go and fight Midian. In Numbers chapter 31. From every tribe, they took a thousand warriors. So 12,000 warriors who shouldered weapons went to war against Midian. They secured victory. Nobody died. Please give me numbers 31. Give me verse 48 and 50. Verse 48 and 50. Let me try and read it. The officers who were over the thousands of the army, the captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, came near to Moses. And they said, your servants have taken an inventory, a census, a count of the men of war who were under our command. And not one man of us is missing. We went to war two years ago. We didn't choose the battle. The battle chose us. Called coronavirus. It wreaked havoc in the United States of America. In the Church of God mission. Kojic. This black organization. At a point, Reverend, 50 of their bishops died. Because in the midst of the coronavirus, they didn't know what it was. So they rushed to go and help their church members. 50. Bishops with their gifts. Because they went to care for the perishing, rescue the perishing, and care for the dying. This work that we do, we only wear suits out of respect for our office. Truthfully, we should be wearing fatigues because everything we go after in your family, they come after us and our children. We took an inventory, and not one of us is lost. Now look at the response. Give me the response in verse number fifty-one. And therefore, we have brought an offering for the Lord. Because he has kept us for one year. He has kept us for, from accident. He has brought us through a coronavirus. Our response is that we are bringing an offering. Has he spared you from death? Did you survive an accident? Did you recover from an illness? Did God give you another one year? Show it today by your gratitude to God. Listen, the amazing thing is that your giving doesn't end even in the immediate. It builds something for you. And speak for you. I was minding my business one day reading the gospel of St. Matthew. And this is the last and I'm done. 
And you know how sometimes, Pastor Gloria, the genealogies, they are very boring. They bad and die. Who cares about begotten and dying? But I was reading it and something hit me. Because I looked at the list of the genealogy of Jesus and it was the unprettiest list you can get. All kinds of interesting names. And as I was looking, I said, and this begat, and then I saw Rahab. And I said, Re what? Rahab? In the genealogy of Jesus? My God, you made a mistake. No, 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 no. No, no. Rahab? Rahab's name is mentioned five times in the Bible. And every one of them, her profession is added to it. Try getting a job with that kind of resume. Then I said, this man, me, Frankie Baby, I'm going to investigate. This Frankie Baby. I'll investigate this thing. So I saw that Rahab gave birth to Boaz. And I said, oh, this is getting interesting. So I began to dig again. So I went back and I realized that when Israel came out of captivity, the first nation that they attacked was Jericho. Rahab was a resident of Jericho. You remember that? And the condition for her protection was that hung a scarlet thread talking about the blood of Jesus. You know what I mean? I'm getting you somewhere. And, and I hope you don't forget it. And so naturally when Jericho fell, Rahab and her family were kept. And they were assimilated into Israel. Now, when you have a testimony like that, church people don't forgive you. Because number one, they were Canaanites. They were not part of Israel. So somehow they were kept at the back of the crowd. And so they chose one of the princes of Israel whose name was Salmon. The son of nation to disciple those people, to proselyte them in order to assimilate them into Israel. And one day, Salmon, the son of nation, goes to daddy and says, daddy, I found a woman I want to marry. And daddy says, who is this princess in Israel? He said, no, it's Rahab. Daddy said, Ray what? Of all the women who couldn't find any, he said, yeah, no, that, that is it. It is in your Bible that I'm telling you. And I checked on nation, pastor, and I realized that when Israel got themselves together, built the tabernacle, God said, let them bring an offering to me. But one tribe a day must do that. And the first one who took a whole day to give an offering was nation. Whose son married Rahab? And when they married, they had a son called Boaz. You know that story with Boaz. And this Boab, Boaz, I beg your pardon, she married Ruth, who had come from Canaan, and they had a son called Obed. And Obed also had a son called Jesse. And Jesse had a son called David. And David had a son called Solomon. And Solomon had a great, 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 great son whose name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the son of the living God. It all started because a father gave an all-day offering and he began to roll until Gentiles, prostitutes, rejected. They found themselves in the bloodline of Jesus. So if you don't know who your children are going to marry, you are going to marry up, they are going to punch above their weight because of what you have done. My assignment is over. Bless the Lord, <laughs> oh my soul. This one I just finished. Because you people, I don't trust you. Everything we say, you use it against us. So now become smart. The way you guys are smart, hmm, I have to pray hard that Lord deliver me from CICC guys. 
Have you learned something today? 